Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about specialist versus generalist. Hmm. I'm thinking everyone would assume we're going to tell them 20 reasons why they should be a specialist and not a generalist. Correct. Should we surprise them? (laughs) Sort of. I think sort of. Uh, My mission for today's episode is to get more specific about these terms, to kind of unpack them, because it has become increasingly obvious to me that there are problematic ways that people are conflating the terms. And so hopefully we can help untangle that from, you know, by kind of trying, trying to describe how we both think of it in our brains. And this is kicked off by a book that one of my private coaching students, whose name is Corey Quinn, and I am reading a draft of his book. The book is called Focus Vertical, and it starts off with the story of a digital marketing agency called Scorpion. When he joined them, he they were doing about $20 million, and over the course of the next five or so years, he got them to $150 million by using what he calls a focus vertical strategy, where he would they focused on a vertical in the traditional sense. Uh, their first vertical was personal injury lawyers, just to give you an idea of how specific it was. And they picked that one for real good reasons. They had a lot of them already as clients, but they also had 20 other kinds of clients. And so they decided to go all in on this particular vertical because of a a whole bunch of characteristics. And then uh, over time, once they felt like they had saturated that market, then they picked another one and they, you know, just kept on going uh, vertical to vertical to vertical. In the draft, he's... He's always hammering on this, like, don't be a generalist, be a specialist, don't be a generalist, be a specialist. And and that is when it hit me that those two terms are ends of a, he's thinking of them as ends of a spectrum on, on a, that you might call who you help. So who you help, he's saying, be a specialist in who you help. Something he is not saying in the book, I haven't finished reading the draft, but uh, hopefully by the time you hear this, I have, but he doesn't. I I don't think any part of their strategy, I'm confident that no part of their strategy was to focus on being a specialist in what they do beyond digital marketing, which is a gigantic category. So they, so I'm reading that and I kept on, I kept on writing comments. I'm like, I don't know, you keep using this word specialist, but, but like Scorpion is general, a generalist full service digital agency. And, and so I, I just couldn't get out of my head that there was perhaps uh, it would be confusing to readers and to people when we're talking about being a specialist and being a generalist, which access we're talking about, or even that there are two. Mm, yeah, that's the other piece, that there are two. Right. So we we would name the two axes, who you help as one axis, and you could be a generalist or a specialist there, or what you do. You could be a generalist or a specialist there. And longtime listeners will perhaps remember me sometimes talking about the kind of etch-a-sketch metaphor where there's these two knobs you can dial, those are the two knobs. So one would be who you help and the other is what you do. And when I say do, I mean like the activities that you do, your skills, your the the activities that you undertake on behalf of your clients. And the I think the really important reason to tease out the difference between these two kinds of generalist specialist spectrums is that I, I've noticed that when you know, like, oh, you know, you'd be, you, you'll get more leads if you specialize kind of, kind of a, uh, advice. They'll, some people will reject it for one reason and other people will reject it for the, for another reason. But if I, or if they understood 
the the more detailed kind of description that we're going to go into here maybe they wouldn't they're just imagining the bad one the bad one for them <laughs> and right the bad dial but you don't necessarily have to you, you almost surely wouldn't turn both dials to the maximum specialization no no that would be cuz the other piece to this behind this is is there a market for this and how yeah. big is that market mhm mm yeah. And if you turn both dials all the way, you, that's when you run the risk of there being too small a market, if any. Right. Not enough demand to support what you want to do. Okay. So we have a little diagram that we're, we're both referencing that we'll link to in the show notes so you can see, but it's like a four square matrix. And across the bottom, there's the what you do, generalist on the left, specialist on the right. And on the right hand side, vertically, it's generalist at the bottom and specialist at the top. So the bottom left corner would be general in who you help, general in what you do, and the top right corner would be very specific, very specialized in who you help and what you do, your activities. Cool. Okay. So my miss, did I leave anything out so far? No, I just, I'm looking at this and it's e easier for us to do than it is for the listener at the moment. But what's fascinating is you could almost, for some expertise businesses, you could almost track their their progress through these different uh, boxes mm -hmm. right most people i meet most are in the bottom left hand corner so they're generalist let's let's keep using the digital marketing agency as an example yes. they do seo they do funnels they do websites they do branding they do copywriting they do all of these things right they do everything for everyone so that's the bottom right corner is everything for everyone so we do digital marketing for businesses and that's or we help companies with their digital marketing, you know. <laughs> well, and you, I mean, you could argue businesses is a little bit more specific than ev everybody, but I mean, you get the idea. You hear that and you go, oh, okay, like I'm not what I don't need that. Right. right? I, I suppose the most general who you help would be people. Right. Right. <laughs> <We're like> organ <laughs> organisms. <laughs> We help organisms with digital If you marketing. have a pulse, we can help you. <laughs> pulse in a checkbook. Um, okay, so that's a rough place to be because that's the place where you have downward pricing pressure, you're commoditized, you need to do something really unique, especially when you're first starting out. You really, there needs to be something really different about you, meaningfully different to your buyers for you to command any kind of profitable fees. Mm -hmm. So when someone, and that's the place where people, where I usually encounter people or when they, when they find me, they're kind of stuck in there, in that bottom left-hand That's left where a box. lot of people start. You know, when you first, if you're leaving corporate life to hang your shingle, this is usually where you start because you start your business on referrals and you don't really worry so much about how you're going to turn the dials. You're more worried about how you're going to have income coming in. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So you're just, you're just, you're just taking whatever comes over the transom. Mm -hmm. So when that gets old and you're like, geez, I haven't increased my my profits or my revenue in a long time. Uh, I, I feel like I'm working harder than ever, not getting ahead. I'm not getting enough leads. My pipeline is unpredictable. I've got feast famine cycles. All of those things are a, a signal that your marketing could be improved. So, so when someone comes to us like that, it's like, well, specialize, right? And they'll be like, I don't mm -hmm. want to, I'll get bored. I don't want to, I love doing all these different things. I don't want to, I, I might pick the wrong market. So the objections, the knee jerk reactions will probably, it, I mean, I don't track data on this, but it, as I think back, 
I find that the objections come from either the but I you know the the one end or the other of the two axes, not both. It's usually I, I don't remember times when it was both. So someone will say like they hear the word specialist and they think we're suggesting that they stop doing eighty percent of the kinds of things that they do and just do one. But they love doing, they love switching, they love context switching, they love being able to do some copywriting and then some programming and then some design and then, you know, they they, they want to stay general in what they do. And so, but they object to the idea of specializing in, in general because, or I shouldn't say in general, they object to the idea of specializing <laughs> because they're, they really enjoy having lots of different tools, lots of different context switching, lots of different modes. So they'll say like, no, I don't want to specialize. And then there's another group of people that'd be like, oh, I don't want to just work with personal injury lawyers. I don't want to just work with locksmiths. I don't want to just work with chiropractors or developers or whatever, because I'll just get bored of that industry. But they would happily just do SEO or they would happily just do, I don't know, React, you know, front end web development or something or like websites that. Websites or, yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a spectrum. It's a continuum. It's not like, you know, even digital marketing agency isn't as broad as God, I don't know, uh, consumer packaged goods maybe, or like, like, well, just marketing period, there's all kinds of marketing. Yeah. Just consulting broadly. (laughs) Right. So, yeah. So just, just have an example. So in this bottom right hand quad, uh, sorry, bottom left hand quadrant, just as an example, I, I wrote down digital marketing for businesses. And that's that rough spot. And then you could decide for yourself which way you want it to go, which dial you want it to turn to move the little pencil head to either to the right or to the up, you know, to the north. And there, it might be that with this new information that people are more open to the idea of specializing on the, uh, the, the other axis, the one they didn't reject. Right. And... This will this ties into this is a more visual example of what we've talked about in the past where we talk about vertical specialization versus horizontal specialization or ver- you know vertical positioning versus horizontal positioning where the horizontal is more about what you do all the different activities that you do and the vertical is more about who you help and so I guess I would I, I guess we could pause for a second and let the dear listener think like oh if I've ever been resistant to specializing. Was it that I was resistant to both of these ideas or or was it really just one and maybe the other one wouldn't be too hard of a pill to swallow? Do, 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 do. I know. <laughs> I, I was testing you to see how long you could go without saying anything. <laughs> I know. The editing software is going to collapse that gap anyway. Well, see, one of the things I think is so interesting is is that if, if you just pick one of these two axes... I think most people know right away which feels better. So if, if, in the digital marketing example, if you've been doing this for a while and you're fascinated with SEO, like so fascinated, you just keep reading more about it. You just keep testing things. And all of a sudden you realize, you know, I'm not so interested in doing a website. I'm not so mm-hmm. interested in writing copy. And then you're probably going to move to the right. You're going to mm-hmm. say, oh, I really want to move. I want to get more expert on SEO. And then there's the other person who just loves doing all the facets of digital marketing, and they might be more receptive to narrowing who they're going to help. And, you know, in this example we're using, it was locksmiths. So I'm going to do all the things for digital marketing that I can possibly think of, but I'm only going to do them for locksmiths. 
right. so that I really get in deep and understand their problems and what they need to solve them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and here and that reminds me of a, a comment that I've not made that often, but this is the perfect time to do it, which is if if you really want to be a generalist, because I I meet a, a significant people group of people who want to stay a full stack developer, for example, they just, they just love it. They love switching from back end to front end and working with APIs and JavaScript and the, you know, whatever. And they just dig it. And I'd say, okay, stay general in your skills, but pick a vertical, pick who you help. It's like using the word vertical is a little bit overloaded here because it's the vertical access and vertical also means a particular industry type like plumbers or locksmiths. Um, but what, what we really mean on the who you help, it's literally that. It's who you help. However you define it, it could be perfectionists. It could, you know, psychographic. It could be environmentalists. Mm-hmm. It could be uh, pessimists. It could be uh, martial arts instructors. It could be any any way that you could create a, I almost said smaller, a more specific definition of who you help. It doesn't need to be a small market. It'll be smaller than everyone. It'll be smaller than businesses, but it doesn't have to be small, but it does need to be very specific. And the more specific you get, the more likely it is that you'll find out quickly whether or not there's demand, what there's demand for, and how to articulate your offers to capture that demand or attract leads. You know, an example comes to mind that I saw a lot when I was living in LA and that's, and Chicago for that matter, and that's the HR generalist. And there is a type of HR person and they, they come out of corporate, they have experience usually on a front line somewhere and they've dealt with everything, but they're not expert typically in any one area. But what they love is they love that serving the employee, the, the what that means on a day-to-day basis. And um, that's a challenging thing to sell. So when an HR generalist who loves that leaves corporate and and you know, sets out their shingle, the first thing they usually do is say, oh, you know, I can help your employees. And the problem with that is that there are so many different ways to do that. But if you were generalizing in HR, but you specialized in the type of organization and you get this idea that you have to be local out of your head, okay, Mm -hmm, but you could be in, in Chicago and serve people in LA, then all of a sudden, uh, let's say you're specializing in um, in food companies. Then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, food companies can start to understand that you know what kinds of employees do they get, what kinds of operations do they have, what specialized needs do they have because of the way they operate their business. What do their employees have to know about food safety before they get hired? What do they have to be trained on after they're hired? Like All of those things allow the generalist to get so dialed into their client that they can become invaluable. Right. Yeah. You become, you create a moat around yourself that that other HR generalists will not, almost surely not be able to cross. Your language will be, your language and, and over time, your ability to deliver value are just going to go, you're just going to outpace anybody who's not focused specifically on one uh, in this case, industry. Mm-hmm. So, and we did mention this at the beginning. I, I want to reiterate, though, that this idea of this focus vertical idea, Corey's book, is a, you know, the, the first vertical is potentially just a milestone. So the first, the first who you help, the first segment of who you help, it could be that you go into that space 
and you be, you become well known you become your referrals go through the roof and you begin to mm, not gonna say saturate the market but you capture a lot of the market and at that point maybe that's a year later two years later three years later you can say to yourself Hmm. Do I feel like I want to grow beyond this? So like maybe you've got employees, maybe you're not a lone wolf like, like us. Um, maybe you want to grow or you have employees and you're like, you know, we, we've got more capacity. Let's pick another vertical. Let's do the same thing again. Mm -hmm. We can keep serving the ones we already have and do some experiments to identify another one that we could uh, go into without compromising the, the work that we're doing for the first one and, and add that to your your marketing efforts so it's not like a, i think you said last time it's not a life sentence if you, yes you know you pick a vertical uh, but you could stay in it you might find that when you go to like the second vertical you try you try another segment of the population or business business world that you want to help you might find that you're like wow this is way more different than we expected you might you might find that you're like oh i don't like feeling this lack of mastery we've we are just crushing it in this you know restaurant vertical let's say we're just crushing it over there and we're really having to learn a lot and it feels bad our employees don't like it maybe you're just like you know what let's just let's just stay with restaurants and grow in different ways perhaps through your product ladder increasing revenue decreasing decreasing costs more valuable offerings or you say that's all right you know, we'll go through this learning process like we did with restaurants. It'll probably take about, I don't know, six months to a year to really get up to speed on the jargon, the lingo, the, the all of the inside baseball, all of the specific hopes, dreams, fears, and desires of, of you know, this, this new vertical that seemed so similar from the outside. Like maybe it's, I don't know, what would be similar to restaurants? Like, like, uh, small retail or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. Something where people come in, maybe... Well, not yeah, gym, maybe guess, hospitality, yeah. right? Yeah. Like maybe ho boutique hotels, right? So, okay, boutique hotels, we're going to do HR for boutique hotels. And it's like, oh, wait, this is, wow, this is a lot more different. And so you can decide, you know, do we want to get on this learning curve or, you know, maybe not. But it, it's just totally up to you. It's not it's not like you're trapped in this one vertical. Well, and, and the other thing is, you know, going back to it's not a life sentence, maybe the first one that you try, you try it and you go, oh, I mean, I, I found that when in my the first company I created when we went after a very specific slice of corporate and I'm like, I hate this. It doesn't use the skill set. Uh, we need a different kind of person to do it. I don't like hiring that kind of person. I don't like working with that kind of person. I don't mm -hmm. like any. And, and oh, and by the way, the profit margins a lot less. You know, I, I think it lasted three months. So you, and this can be an experiment that doesn't work, but then what do you learn from that experiment? Well, you learn what you didn't like. So how do you get closer to what you do want? That's what yeah, I exactly. love about this is that it's, it's, it's a way to think about how to specialize without being quite so intimidating to those right. who have, you know, somewhat of a generalist skill set inside their area of expertise. Yes. And I want to, I want to talk about the transition a little bit too. There's, I think, I think it was a David C. Baker quote that I really liked, where if if you're in this bottom left-hand quadrant, digital marketing for businesses, and you're moving up north to the top left corner, digital marketing for locksmiths, it's it, it's not a light switch type of move. It's not a you know chuck your website and redo it. It's 
initially or during the transition, which could be, you know, more than a year, it probably would be more than a year, you would, it's the specialization in who you help is about who you're going after, not who you work with. So that, and this can sometimes de-risk it for people. So you'd continue to work with the people, you're, the clients you're working with. Maybe you need to let go of the bottom 10 or 20% for, for you know, because it's not profitable. You, you know, you're, it's just part of the strategy to free up some capacity to like take on new kinds of clients. Maybe you have to do that, but maybe not. And you just orient your output, whether it's content marketing or social media or, or outbound or whatever you're doing to increase awareness in this new market, you you would orient all of your messaging around that. And now you're still going to attract people who got referred to you from a past client that aren't in the new vertical or the new group. And you're still probably going to get, uh, you continue to have people from the old market. And you can, you can decide whether or not you want to bring them on for cash flow reasons or whatever the case may be. You're just not going after anybody outside of that that new vertical until you've proven or disproven your hypothesis. Like we think locksmiths would be really good for us for a variety of reasons. We're totally inside that space because my parents used to own, uh, my dad's a locksmith. My parents used to own that kind of a business and, uh, and you give it a shot and maybe, you know, you give it some time. I don't know. You tell me how long you think you would, you would get into a vertical before you decided it was a good idea or a bad idea. Well, it depends because sometimes you know really fast that it's a good idea, and other times it takes a while. So I would, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't stick with it for more than a year if there wasn't some kind of traction mm-hmm. with it. How about you? Yeah, I, I, th- I think. There's yeah, some... I mean, we're thinking of examples. I can think of a couple where it took a little bit longer. Yeah, but, exactly. <laughs> but one of the fears around this, I think, is, oh, but my existing clients are—they're going to look at the website and they're going to say, oh, I feel. Your existing clients are not looking at your website. Right. I guarantee. If you're lucky, they're reading your stuff, but they might not be. They, they've hired you. They may mm-hmm. not even pay attention to it anymore because they have your voice in their ear in a different way. Right. So it's actually easier to make this shift than most of us think. That is totally true. I've had some people that, that just felt like they were they're just super client-oriented and they, the, the fear of the client act, you know, stumbling across their new messaging was just too much for them. So they just send out an email. You're like, hey, just a heads up in case, you, you know, you notice us talking about locksmiths a lot. We're exploring that for lead generation reasons, but you don't have to worry. You know, we're still going to service you as long as you want us to, you know, just send out like a, right. a heads up kind of email. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, well, I actually like it because maybe your people know some locksmiths, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, I oh, suppose so. That's amazing. I, mm-hmm. My best friend is a locksmith. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it could be. So, where else? Where else? We haven't gone to the top right. We haven't gone to the that's, top right. It's like the fear factor, right? That's that's the box everybody's afraid of. All right. That's written. To follow the example written in that box, we have SEO for locksmiths, which to be honest, you could almost imagine supporting us, at least a solo business doing that. But but it's just an example. It, it might not even, you know, so SEO for locksmiths in Providence, that's too small. That that wouldn't work, right? Well, part, so if, of, part of it is the word too, like the SEO, because it would make me wonder, like, does a locksmith know what SEO is? But if I said websites for locksmiths, then, it, then that might not feel so small. Right, right. 
so but the 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 point is you can over dial on the two mm-hmm. things like SEO for people named Bob in Providence that are periodontists. Like that's way too over-specialized. So you, you can go way too far, but that is never <laughs> what I encounter. I, I, yeah. I've, I cannot think of a time when someone's come to me with it. Very rare, maybe, maybe once or twice, where they come with it overly specialized uh, because they've dialed both knobs of the Etch-A-Sketch to the top right, boom, all the way over there. And it's like, yeah, I don't, you know, that, that might not even be a market, right? And do the, or the other thing, yeah. the other thing that's, um, the other thing that can happen there is that, well, it's kind of what you said, like Locksmith might not care about SEO, right? It's like a th- you, you specialize in a thing like MySQL database optimization for locksmiths. And it's like, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> right. What even is that? Yeah. You know, so there's, there's possibility in that top right quadrant that there is no overlap in the Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. I feel like the main message of this episode for sure is to just understand that when someone says specialist, or at least this might even just be a note to myself. When someone says specialist, I need to know which axis they're talking about. Yes. Is it what I do or is it who I help? Right. Because my default assumption, that definition of that word in my mind is it's what I do. I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a hand surgeon. I'm a specialist. I wouldn't think of a doctor, a GP who works with professional athletes as a specialist. I just wouldn't think of it like that way normally. But it's clear to me that a lot of people do. When they hear the word specialist, they to them, that's synonymous with a very specific niche market of some mm-hmm. kind. And I, I never mean it that way, but I'm gonna I'm trying to get, I'm gonna try and get better at it. Yeah, well, it's funny. It's one of the things that happens when you host a podcast. It's we start to use these words, and we can use them in ways that wind up being confusing, and we don't realize it, mm. right? Until we start to play with it and think about the repercussions of using a particular word a certain way. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's eye opening if you start to think about specializing in more than one axis hmm. and I, I i've always liked your dial or etch a sketch i always think of it as a dial the etch a sketch thing but what's helpful about this box i think these four boxes is you can kind of think about which quadrant am i in and is it the right quadrant for me and for my business right yeah how i want to spend my time and who i want to spend it with mm-hmm. so you could dial i mean you don't have to go straight north or straight east you know up or left or right from the bottom left-hand corner, you know, you could go, you know, uh, for example, I don't know about locksmiths, but something like dentists is still pretty big. There's tons of subcategories under dentists. Mm-hmm. It, it could be CPAs of a particular size, you know, like our friend Geraldine, who helps CPAs that are of a particular, you know, that don't have partners, that don't have a ton of employees, a handful of employees at most, and are doing X dollars per year in revenue and are overworked, like they're working weekends, right? So there's a whole bunch of factors going on there, demographic, psychographic, vertical. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because this is just, I mean, this is just the entry point. There are so many more ways you can slice and dice this. But I think sometimes when you're, not even when you're first starting out, but when you come to this inflection point where you know you want to or you have to do something different. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes this uh, this kind of a quadrant will give you that look 
at which direction to go. And then you can, you know, you can be the wizard playing with all the dials. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Curtain. So, well, that's, that might be a, a good way to kind of a last section for this podcast, I suppose, for this episode. What are the, what are some cheap and easy ways and quick ways to experiment with, with one of these directions? I mean, it might be obvious to the listener that like, oh no, I, I definitely, I'm obsessed with this one particular thing that I really love doing. I'm going to go super deep on that. I might write a book about it, you know, MySQL database optimization or like SEO, broadly speaking, and just go, there's probably subcategories of SEO that I'm not even aware of that, that you could go way into. It might be obvious to the listener, or it might be obvious to the listener that was like, oh, if I get to still be a generalist, but only work with locksmiths, I'm cool with that, especially if I can switch over to like some other local business after that, like power washers or personal injury lawyers and keep broadening out that way. But there's, there, I know from talking to fully half of the people who are in the bottom left quadrant they're not getting enough leads they're not happy with their pipeline they're not happy with the unpredictability of their cash flow and they're sort of drunk the kool-aid on getting more specific about something then i think it would probably be obvious to that person you tell me what you think if they wanted to specialize horizontally if they wanted to to focus in on a particular thing that they just love doing i feel like that's usually kind of obvious to the person well, it happens pretty organically. And, you know, if you think about the how, I mean, the SEO is actually a great example. I've seen at least two examples of this that I can think of off the top of my head where they worked with their existing digital marketing client base and they developed an SEO offering. Mm -hmm. And then they found that subset of clients that were where they had these great results and they were totally into it. And then they used what they learned from that group to go off and create this new thing and stopped eventually it took them a while to stop doing the old thing they had some legacy business and they had some employees but um, yeah it's a you experiment with who's already in your client base because they're often willing to experiment with you they already like you they're already getting results that you have a relationship there's trust and you bring something to them to let them experiment mm -hmm. yeah i like the idea of of using a test offer like a test offering like a new a new thing that's just way more specific than the general stuff you've been doing that's pretty interesting but you can do that with existing clients because i always think about it oh yeah i'm going to test this with the people in my in my network or the people on my email list but being able to do it with existing clients is it's it's a lot less risk right yeah. And, you know, it's an old truism that it's easier to sell new things to old clients than it is to sell new things to new clients or really mm -hmm. old things to new clients. It's just way easier to sell stuff to old clients. Uh, but you got to come up with something new. So but going in the other direction, I think, is where people really get wrapped around the axle. So when they're trying to go north on this chart into which vertical do I pick, uh, I, I actually have been advocating a similar approach where instead of repositioning your entire business, position something on this new market so it could be probably the 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 lightest lift version of this is probably to to set up and promote a webinar that's specifically for locksmiths digital marketing for locksmiths D digital marketing 101 how to get your phone ringing off the hook for locksmiths lock did i say that right locksmiths locksmiths <laughs> yeah. yeah and and see if you can get in front of that group see if they sign up see if you can at least even get feedback why they didn't sign up how could you tweak the registration page the offer 
to make it more attractive to them. Go on a listening tour. That would be easy too. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. I think I'd do the listening tour before the webinar so that yeah, you knew probably. what it was that they want and you have some idea and then you can get more feedback beyond the listening tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if it's like, oh, you get the listening tour. Now you're like, oh, I've got an idea for a webinar. And then the webinar works and they end up on your mailing list. And then you do follow-up emails about the contents of the webinar. That looks like, that is what traction looks like to me. If you, if you, out of, out of nowhere, basically, post a, a link to a webinar and you get a bunch of people in your desired target market to sign up, you're onto something. You, you, it's not definite, of course, but you're definitely, you're definitely onto something. And I would continue to nurture those, find out more, have more conversations with them, probably over email, ask them to ask me more questions, solicit questions, solicit conversations. So this sort of like iterative, like maybe start with a listening tour, but don't stop. Keep listening. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it would, when this happens quickly, it'll, it almost certainly will happen eventually. You know, if it, not always, but if you did have a bunch of people sign up uh, for a webinar, you're like, wow. And then you do it, you know, again in a month and more people sign up and then you get more people on your list. That looks like something to me. And at some point, it's not uncommon for them to start telling you what they need, like what they would give you money for. So it's like, oh, you know, it would be great. What? It's like, oh, if you could do this, I would, I'd, I'd pay you 500 bucks every month for sure if you could just do this. Mm-hmm. And they'll start to, certainly over time as you grow something like a mailing list, which is a two-way private conversation, uh, that does start to happen. So, you know, you never know how quickly it's going to be or if you pick the right vertical out of the gate, you might need to switch because it turns out you don't like these people. You don't get along. You don't vibe with them. Mm-hmm. But it's that's the move. Like, that's the approach. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a process, but it's, it, it is really cool when you get traction immediately, um, but don't give up because sometimes it just takes a while. It, it, you, maybe you have to learn a little bit of a different language or it's not a language so much as an accent, right? <laughs> it's like they want to be able to tell that you are from their part of the universe. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and that can take a little while to get used to it. And it's as simple as, you know, using patients when you talk to a doctor versus customers when you talk to a business mm-hmm. or clients when you talk to professional services. So. Yeah, or guests when you're talking to hospitality. So, exactly. Yeah, it could be as simple as that. It, it, I'm reminded of advice from our, our friend Philip Morgan, which is cheat. Pick, pick a vertical where you already have an unfair advantage. So like, like something you're already an insider, you know, mm-hmm. so for me, that list would look like martial arts schools, maybe uh, music related stuff, music performance related things, event planners, that kind of thing. Yeah. Mine yeah. would be food and art design. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, it also helps when you're, if you're going down the list, now, now that I think of it, Corey in this new book, it's not out yet, but it should be in September, the he has an entire section on like here are the the things that you should consider looking at um in the the vertical so you know to decide which one is the one to focus on but that aside you know if you already have some ideas maybe you've got a list of like oh here are three groups i'm a part of church groups is another one i get a lot of people do that and they're already in these groups then it becomes can i get access to these people online for for me it's a big thing some people still enjoy you know some of our listeners i'm sure still enjoy doing face-to-face but if that is not what you want to do if you don't want to do face-to-face you want to be like purely remote it's like which one of these groups is is online because some groups are just not online Mm -hmm. 
So yeah. it's just going to make things really hard for you. So if you that would be a big thing. If I had like, oh, here are three candidate verticals or segments that I could go after. Can I reach them online in some way that that I don't mind doing? You know, like I don't want to do pay-per-click ads or I don't want to do answer bombing or I, you know, I love doing webinars though. Well, do they, these people go to webinars? Maybe locksmiths don't. Maybe they do. Maybe personal trainers do. Maybe they don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But you could find that out pretty easily by setting up a webinar for each one of the three. See if you can find them on LinkedIn or wherever they might hang out. Figure out where their digital watering holes are. Put the offer in front of them. And if people trade you their email address and spend time to sit through your webinar and and ask questions or maybe share it with other people, it's like, "Mm, that's a very good sign. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you need that, right? Because when you're doing these, sometimes you, you feel like you're in the desert looking for water. And you just need (laughs) to get a little sip here and there. And then all of a sudden, that's when you come around the corner and it's not a mirage. You see the beautiful (laughs) pool of tasteful water without the skeletons around the edge. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, Well, that might be a good visual to leave it on. Do we we leave any stones unturned? Gosh, no. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. Any headstones unturned? Okay, cool. All right, folks. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.